0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio is a platform that helps growth-focused e-commerce brands drive more sales with super targeted, highly relevant email, Facebook, and Instagram marketing. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Ryan Holiday. He is today one of the world's foremost thinkers and writers on ancient philosophy and its place in every day life. You're probably familiar with The Daily Stoic, Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, and his latest book we're going to talk about today, Stillness is the Key. So Ryan, thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I was was thinking as I was getting ready to come on this, I think you were like the first or the second podcast I ever did way back in 2012. So you have been at this a long time and so have I.
0: (laughs) That was uh, with Trust Me I'm Lying? I I think so, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have been at this a long time, and uh, it's been really fun to watch the arc of your, your career. It's uh, taking you to some pretty amazing places. So I, I'm sure you get tired of this question, but I think we probably, I'd like to hear it from you, the answer to this from you. Uh, I could look it up and there'd be lots of Wikipedia entries on this, but how would you define Stoicism?
1: So uh, I, I sort of give two definitions to people. So if I'm giving the a really, really simple definition, I just say Stoicism is not emotionlessness, It's not resignation. It's the belief that we don't control what happens to us. We only control how we respond, right? So the Stoic just says like, look, the vast majority of the things in the world are not up to me, but I control my thoughts, my opinions, my attitudes, and that's what I'm going to focus on. So that's sort of one really simple definition. But if I was going to go a little bit more advanced, I'd just say like, look, Stoicism really worships four virtues. It's an ancient philosophy that dates back to Greece and to Rome. Uh, But but the the, the sort of four virtues of Stoicism, they sound familiar because they also happen to be the four virtues of of Christianity and a lot of Western thought. But it's just uh, courage, temperance. That means moderation, justice. That means doing the right thing. And then wisdom. That's, you know, intelligence, education, learning, uh, understanding. And so that's it. it, You know, it's a pretty straightforward philosophy with not a lot to that, that that's Not as controversial as people might think, but it's all in the it's all in the execution, right? It's easy to say justice, wisdom, temperance, courage. It's hard to do those four things and to do them regularly when the stakes are high.
0: So this book, Stillness Is the Key, I've heard you refer to as kind of a trilogy to go with Obstacle Is the Way, Ego Is the Enemy. So so what what do you hope the 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 third book in the trilogy kind of adds to the overarching message?
1: Well, to me, stillness is this. that's uh, timeless, but also very, very urgent. So like 500 years ago, Blaise Pascal said that uh, all of humanity's problems stem from our inability to sit quietly in a room alone. So it was true five centuries ago, but I mean, today it's like impossible, right? It's not our inability, it's that it's impossible, right? We have a device that magically transports us away from that room, or from really any feeling of discomfort or or worry or whatever, right? And and so we don't have any of the clarity we need to make good decisions, to know what it's important. Like both both the Stoics and the Buddhists were very fond of a metaphor. Uh that they said that it's like uh, the mind is like muddy water. You have to let it sit, you have to approach it calmly for the the dust and the silt to settle and only then can you see through it do you know what's really there and you know that's just so hard to do for entrepreneurs and for executives and for parents because they're running a a mile a minute and they never have any slow time in which you know the things uh sift to the bottom
0: so your books have sold extremely well i know sillness is the key uh will sell quite well so is your publisher asking you for the fourth book in the trilogy yet
1: um, well, no, I, I was, uh, ju- I was just laughing about this with Steve, who's our mutual book agent that, you know, I talk about in the book, like this idea of there never, it, it, the problems We're there's never enough, we're always doing. It's like, I, I think I've done, I've done nine books in seven years and I, I, Steve is out with a proposal for the next one right now, because I do, I do like to always be working but I w- in my defense, what I would say is the reason I like to have the next book is that I find that the stillness of work to be better than the anxiety of what am I going to do next or look how successful I am or, you know, uh, how is it selling? You know, like like as much as I want this book to sell well um, and I've wanted the other books to sell well, like I got very lucky. So when Obstacles the Way came out, I'd sold uh, what became ego is the enemy before it came out. So when Obstacle is the Way came out and it did okay, um, but it didn't like blow the doors off. I didn't care because like I had deadlines to meet, right? And then and then when when The Obstacle is the Way really started to take off, I also didn't care because I had deadlines to meet, you know. And and so I think it's important to have good things to focus on rather than to have just space for our mind and our ego to. To sort of do their dirty work.
0: Yeah. So you and I were laughing a little bit before we started recording this. That you know, when you write a book like this or a series of books that that you know suggest a way to live. I mean, you probably yourself get held to a higher standard. You know, right or wrong. Um, do, do, do you? How, how has that impacted you, or do you feel that that sense of oh, I can't see, I can't let anybody see me freak out <laughs> because I'm I'm the one that's telling them you can't do that.
1: I mean, you can imagine, you know, writing a book about stoicism and writing a book about ego and stillness. And then, uh, you know, I go home to my wife who, you know, does not, uh, allow me to get away with any of not having those things. So it's like, you know, it's, it, there is a, there is a, the downside to writing a book about ego is you can never, you know, you've got to be constantly on guard that you're not being a hypocrite. And so I do think about that. I mean, it's, it's really hard. Like, uh. When you are out doing and making things, um, it's busy, you're active, you know, you've got anxieties, you've got fears, you've got frustrations. It's never as good as you want it to be. People are never doing it the way you want them to do it. And I've, 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 I've dealt with enough monstrous people in my life to know, like, I don't want to be those people. And so I'm, I'm always trying to catch myself before it kind of spins out of control.
0: Well, and I think that a lot of what you're suggesting in this work is that we're all a work in progress. I mean, you're working towards something. You're not, you haven't arrived at anything, right? I mean, would you su- suggest that that's right?
1: Oh, completely. Like, uh, you know, ego is is not this thing that you magically get rid of once. That what's so insidious about ego is that it's always creeping in. What's so uh, both demoralizing and refreshing about obstacles is that there's always another one. <laughs> Uh, up around the curve, right? And then I think with stillness, like you have this moment of stillness. Maybe it's early in the morning, you wake up before the kids, but you don't check your email and you go straight into this project you've been working on, or, you know, you go for an awesome run or a swim and you experience, you're just present and you're killing it and it's just awesome. And then you pick up your phone and you got to start from scratch, you know? So it's, it's, it's not only we're a work in progress, but this state we're trying to get to is inherently ephemeral. It's like success, like success isn't something you have. Success is something a little bit more elusive to room with, but you don't you don't own it for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's funny, but I I, I think you're in some ways uh, the work that you're doing is sort of redefining or helping people redefine how they even Talk about success or think about success that, you know, I read between the lines that, you know, you're writing that, that success in a lot of ways is realizing that you can't control everything and you need to trust yourself enough to know that you're hopefully doing what, you know, you're supposed to be doing, but that, you know, you need to let go of trying to control every aspect of how it's going to get done. And I think, I think when we come to that ability to, to have some level of letting go to me, that's, that's. That's like stage one or, you know, the, the starting gate for success.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I, what I try to do a lot of work on in my own life, and when people ask me for advice about it, I talk to them about this too, particularly in something as unpredictable as, as the, the, the book world, which you know very well, you have to find a way to root your idea of what success is as much as possible in the parts of the process you control. So like this, the, you know, that we're talking here, uh, my book comes out tomorrow. I feel I, I don't, I'm not at a hundred percent, right? Like, uh, I don't think it's possible to get to a hundred percent, but I feel like 90% of the success of the project, uh, I've already, I've already gotten all of that. It came from enjoying the writing. It came from expressing what I wanted to say. It comes from knowing that I put as much of myself into it as possible, that I grew in the process, that I didn't cut corners, you know, so that, that I got even the opportunity to do it, so on and so forth. So like, look, if it sells zero copies tomorrow or if it sells 10 million copies, obviously that's gonna have some impact on how I feel, but I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna live and die by it, right? Like if I woke up tomorrow, and, and this, this happened on, you know, two books ago, I, I went out for a run, With a friend, and while I was running, my phone blew up, and I got uh, a bunch of texts and emails that it had been positively reviewed in the New York Times, which I had no idea was coming. Um, But it was really wonderful that that had almost no impact on me because, like, and and I don't feel like this isn't like a weird humble brag, but it's just like I I already knew that I had done what was I was best capable of doing. So if, if the review had been negative, I don't think it would have rocked me had the had the review not happened. I wouldn't have missed it. And the fact that it was positive was just like, oh, well, that's a wonderful surprise rather than, a, oh, my God, I, I hope this comes back. Please come back. Good. Please come back. Good. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to set yourself in a, up in a position where you're as invulnerable as possible to things that are outside of your control.
0: And what's interesting is, and I could find a Seneca quote here: uh, "When no noise reaches you, when no word shakes you out of yourself, whether it be flattery, or a threat, or merely an empty sound uh, buzzing about you uh, with unmeaning din." And I think what a lot of us miss this idea that um, you you have to stay like and not just worry about. Not just worry about the things that you see as a threat, but also forget about the things that you see as flattery, or you know, don't don't judge either of those or as right or wrong.
1: Yeah, Marcus Aurelius. He talks. He says I, one of my favorite lines from him. He says, you know, to accept it without arrogance and to let it go with indifference. So you you shrug off the bad stuff. And you shrug off the good stuff too. I mean, I just love, I love the idea that Bob Dylan didn't go accept his Nobel Prize. Like he was too busy working. You know what I mean? I, I love that. Uh, now that's a whole other level and I have no idea. I'm, I'm very sure that if I was ever given a Nobel Prize, I would accept it. But but I, I respect the amount of confidence and stillness and just sort of focus on the craft that it must take to be like, I don't want to go to Sweden. I'm busy, you
0: know. <laughs> that may have just been that may have just been him being on brand too, but yeah. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers. And this allows you to easily turn that information into valuable Marketing messages. There's powerful segmentation, email autoresponders that are ready to go, great reporting. You want to learn a, bit, a little bit about the secret to building customer relationships? They've got a really fun series called Clavio's Beyond Black Friday. It's a docu-series, a lot of fun, quick lessons. Just head on over to klaviyo.com, Beyond BF, Beyond Black Friday. So you quote, you know, 500,000 year old, uh, text and and writers. I'm wondering if there's some contemporary writers that you think are getting this right right now.
1: Um, I think Cal Newport is one of the great, uh, sort of nonfiction, uh, self-help writers of our time. I think Mark Manson, another friend of mine, uh, really great, Definitely people out there that are touching on it, you know, sort of how do you, how do you minimize your exposure to things that disrupt your stillness? How do you make sure that you're caring about only the things that matter. You know, when Mark Manson talks about the subtle art of not giving an F, he means don't care about the things that you don't need to care about. So you can care more deeply about the things that you should care about. And so, yeah, I I think there's lots of great writers out there that are touching on it. And I think that's what's so wonderful about this topic is that we've you know, we've been struggling with it a really long time. So there's lots of insights
0: and wisdom about it. Yeah. And you, you quote Robert Greene quite often. I I would throw him in that category, I suppose. Oh, huh?
1: of course. Yeah. Robert Greene is, I think, you know, the probably the great, uh, the greatest writer, uh, nonfiction writer of our time. I think he's just spectacular. And, you know, he talks about, um, in Mastery, he talks about just what, what it, how transformative it is mentally and spiritually and physically to just fall in love with, with just every aspect of, of what you're doing and to, to just sort of so deeply love that process.
0: Yeah. And and I think there's a lot of people that, you know, kind of preach this idea, if you've got to find what you love and, you know, then, then you'll, you know, that'll be your purpose. And I, and I think it kind of, it kind of throws aside the idea that, you know, get good at something and you're probably going to love it.
1: Yes, yeah, of course. No, and if you're not good at it, it's hard to love it, you know? Uh uh so yeah, of course. Um
0: All Right, so a, a big part of your work and certainly it shows up in stillness um is this idea of letting go. Um and I think that that no matter how many times I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and no matter how many times they hear that, I say that, um it still seems to be one of the hardest things to do. Um I First off, why is that? And how do we do it?
1: Well, it's really hard because what made you who you are is that you care, right? Like, uh, uh, you become a champion or you become a successful entrepreneur, you become a leader because you always want to get better and you're not satisfied with the status quo. Um, so obviously I think that's better than not caring at all, right? Like there are plenty of people. Who they're like, I want to be successful. And it's like, but do you really? Because it doesn't seem like you're putting in the effort or the commitment. Right. So, but it's just realizing that on the other side of that gift is a consequence. And that consequence is it makes it very hard for you to accept when you don't have control over things. It makes it very hard for you to enjoy what you're doing as you're doing it. And it makes it it hard for you to ever feel satisfied. So um I think you you just it every every virtue has to be balanced out you know and every just like every vice, and so I think what we 're talking about is how do you how do you take some of your natural inclinations and make sure you 're not that you're that you have them on a leash rather than the other way around
0: one of the things you talk about a lot is this idea of you know, staying in wonder and, and having wonder still for, you know, many of the things you're doing. And, you know, as you start a business, particularly, you know, a lot of things uh, become unwonderful you know, over time you, because they're routine or be, because you just don't like doing them. What do you do to um, to stay in kind of that state of wonder?
1: Well, one of the things I always just remind myself is how absurd existence is, you know, that we're spinning we're we're, we're 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 these like monkeys spinning around on a rock in space, you know, and that uh, how how sort of lucky and how, how lucky we are to be where we are, um, how lucky we are to be here right now As scary and bad as things might seem. I'd much rather be alive now than a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago. And uh, and so I, I always go like, this is so frustrating. This is so annoying but it's so much better and so much unbelievably better than what many people could have ever even imagined. I would be an idiot to take this too seriously. So that's something I do. And then the other thing is like, just make sure you're, you're not like it. I remember early on in my career, I was working in Hollywood and I, I realized that like I had not seen outside during the daytime during the week for like months because i would you know i would i would leave my apartment early and i'd get to work you know right as the right as it was starting to get light and then i'd go uh you know I'd, i'd be leaving the office after dark this is crazy you know uh and 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 that that's just not a healthy way to live and so it might seem irresponsible to say you know what i'm gonna go outside for an hour and read a book on this picnic table Or I'm going to go for a walk or, you know what, I'm working from home tomorrow and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it at a at a cafe where I sit out on the porch. You know, like that might seem irresponsible. But if it's about mean, if it's about preventing burnout, it might be the very like think about athletes are the most driven, ambitious people in their field. Uh, They don't practice on Monday if they played on Sunday. Because that's how you get hurt. Like the coaches know, you have to have rest days because the bo- the muscles will snap, and uh, and and the mind is a muscle like any other, and you got to be giving it rest.
0: I, I know the Stoics uh, wrote about this, um, and I've, uh, as you know, have embarked on a work uh, where I've really curated a lot of the work from uh, the uh, a body of literature. A lot of people called the Transcendentalists. Um, you know, Thoreau being in that and Emerson being in that. And and for them, um, nature was such a perfect example of how to live and how to stay in wonder. And, and that to me, you know, I, I happen to have happen to be sitting uh, in the Rocky Mountains, you know, right at the moment and have, you know, pine trees out my back and out my front. And for me, going and sitting under one of those is the most refreshing thing I can do.
1: Yeah, there's even a term for that. They call it forest bathing. And that you're just like bathing in the forest, and I—it's like if you're not doing that, uh, I think you're accumulating a lot of gunk and goo and and nasty stuff, and you just got to go out and wash yourself in nature from time to time. Um, Like in Austin, there's a pool close to like there's a pool close to my house at a gym that I like, but there's two outdoor pools that are spring-fed, you know, right along the the river and it's almost always
0: Barton Springs,
1: Barton Springs in deep Eddy, And, and like, it's, it takes longer. It's more expensive. You know, sometimes I got to wait for a lane, but every time I do it, it's just, I'm just so glad that I did it. And it, I feel like it roots me in something in a way that, you know, a chlorine filled pool in a windowless room just does not do.
0: So you write about this. The Stoics wrote about this. I think there's lots of, of Contemporary literature that suggests this is a good practice, and that is the practice of solitude or seeking some level of solitude. But why are we so deathly afraid of that? I mean, we we actually the worst punishment you can give somebody in prison is to put them in solitary confinement. I mean, so so you know, on top of that being, I mean, obviously we're talking about that being a positive thing. But why, as humans, are we so frightened by it?
1: Well, and look, I I certainly wouldn't want to spend you know sixty days in solitude, uh, but I think one of the big reasons is that you know going off to a cabin in the woods to think doesn't sound like work. Sitting at your computer at an office where you're actually just reading ESPN and checking your fantasy scores that looks like work, right? And so a lot of people, you know, like if I walk into your office and you're not there, I go, "Where's John? He's supposed to be working. He has a book deadline." But if I came into your office and it looked like you were sitting there, but I couldn't see what was on your computer, you were actually watching YouTube videos, I'd be like, that guy's hard at work, right? So I think a lot of this is just like the the logistics and the appearances of how the sort of modern world is set up, like, e- even like, like you know, a, a Silicon Valley, uh, you know, had the idea that like, everyone should work in one large room where they don't have any doors, and it's like, have you ever met a human being? Like, this is not how people thrive, like, people, What does every kid want? They want their own room, right? Because they want their own space where they can think and reflect and have quiet time. And for whatever reason, in terms of workplace culture and society, we have just obliterated that. And then we wonder why people are frantic and nervous and stressed and overworked.
0: I believe all human living things are connected in whatever soup pot you want to call it. Um, You're right – we are one big collective organism engaged in one endless project together. We are one. We are the same. Still, too often we forget it, and we forget ourselves in the process. How do you come to terms with this idea of us being all connected?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a really important Stoic idea. They talk about this idea of sympathia. and and you know, the Stoics talk about the idea of, that we're this large organism that we're made for each other. That the common good is the thing that matters. You know, I, I so many people. Like, you know, they're they're not starting a business to make the world a better place. They're starting a business because they want to get rich or they want to get famous or they want to get powerful or they're they're writing, I, I talk to authors and they're like, oh, I'm writing a book. And I go, oh, well, wh- why? And they're like, well, I want to be a bestseller. And it's like, oh man, that's such a crappy reason to do anything, you know? Uh, like the, the, the reason you should write a book is because you have something that you feel needs to be said that would help other people, right? The reason to make a business is because, You feel like there's a need that deserves to be met and that would improve the world if it was met. And, and so I I think it's just like when you're selfish, it seems like a good strategy, but it's a short term strategy. And eventually you burn out or you overreach or you become alienated from the people that you're serving. And so you've, you've got to, you've got to figure out how to make this about more than just you, um, if you want to be happy and you want to thrive, but at at least that's my take.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking with Ryan holiday, uh, out October 1st, 2019, everywhere that books are sold. Stillness is the key. So Ryan, you, you want to tell anybody where they might find out more about, uh, your work and and you.
1: Yeah. So the books available everywhere. You can go to RyanHoliday.net or at Ryan holiday. And then if you're interested in stoicism at all, uh, or th- that idea of a page a day thing. Um, we have a website called daily stoic and it sends you one email about stoic philosophy every single day. And it's my favorite thing to write. And I'm on a, I think I'm on the fourth year of it now. And so it's been a, just an awesome experience.
0: It sounds like a lot of work, but uh, you, you have built, you've built a heck of a community and following. And obviously it's reflected in, in, in the depth of your work, but also in the, the depth of your following. So good on you, Ryan. So, Thanks uh, again for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, and hopefully we'll run into you soon out there on the road.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.